It's a week after Easter as we record this worship service. I want to go to an account in scripture that happens shortly after Easter and seems very appropriate for us to read and think about today. It's the last chapter of the Gospel of John. And while it's 25 verses, I wanted to read that whole chapter and set the stage for what I'm about to say today. John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came back, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He, saw, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, 
You dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. There he sits, munching a last bite of fried fish and some bread. He's very damp, not dripping wet yet, but damp because he had not waited for the boat to come to shore. He had jumped in the lake and swam ashore to see Jesus, but he's feeling better about himself, about his past, about his present, about a lot of things. He was just beginning to think maybe it was all better. Peter was. There he was with the disciples, at least some of them. There he was walking with Jesus. There he was talking to Jesus. There he was feeling forgiven, feeling restored. And so excited about seeing Jesus, he put on his clothes and his coat and jumped into the lake, risking drowning in the lake because he thought he could get there faster than the boat at this point, and forgetting all about that huge catch of fish, because he wanted to see Jesus first. Ah, he was thinking, it's good to be back. He wiped his fingers on his fisherman's coat and leaned back against a rock to relax a while. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And it all came back with a vengeance. Still damp, now he's clammy too. Simon, son of John, do you? Truly love me more than these. Love asks two questions 
And the rock doesn't feel very secure anymore. The first of those questions is, do you truly love me? And that question is asked three times. Don't think for a minute that the three repetitions went past Peter without notice. And Peter probably already knew what John was about to tell us in verse 14. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Three, 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 three days dead, three times appearing alive after the resurrection, three repetitions of the question, do you truly love me? And all three of those repetitions of the question around a fire. Oh, Peter would never forget. The other time three things had happened around a fire, before the crucifixion when he said with repeated and growing emphasis, I never met him, I don't know him, I'm not his disciple. But today, I ask you to listen to the question that Jesus asked. And I want to point out to you something you can't see by looking at the text in your Bible. And you can't hear by listening to me read it. But it's there. If you were able to read it in Greek, at least, Jesus and Peter in this dialogue, use different words for love. And that is not accidental. The word Jesus uses for love is the word that always refers to God's love. And the word that Peter uses is the word that refers to a friend's love. The Amplified Bible caught the distinction let me read Jesus' question and Peter's answer from the Amplified Bible, starting with Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others do? With reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, as one loves the Father? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you, that I have deep, instinctive, personal affection for you as for a close friend. It's as if Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me with your whole heart? And Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I have great admiration and affection for you. Or as James Montgomery Boyce phrased it in his commentary, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me 100%? And Peter answered, Lord, you know everything you know. I'm 60% there. The second run through of the question and the answer is virtually identical. But what you can neither see nor hear in the English, at least, 
is that the third time Jesus used Peter's word for love when he asked the question. Once again, the Amplified Bible. Simon, this is the third time now for Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you love me with a deep, instinctive, personal affection for me as for a close friend? Peter, get this, Peter was grieved, was saddened and hurt that he should ask him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, that I have a deep, instinctive, personal affection for you as for a close friend. That, James Boyce said, is not a condemnation. That is grace. That Jesus would stoop to use Peter's word and say, in effect, all right, Peter, I'll work with that because I'm able to bring that limited love you have up to the height I desire. The goal of love's question is an all-consuming love from us for Jesus. And until by grace we reach that goal, love will continue to ask us its question. But listen also to the rest of the question, the second part of the question. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? These who? These what? I don't know. Was it the other six disciples who are named at the beginning of the chapter? Do you love me more than you love them? Do you love me more than they love me? Peter had claimed he loved Jesus more. Chapter 13, verse 37 in John's gospel, he said he loved Jesus more than all the rest did. These could be those. These could be anything. These should be everything. Family, friends, stuff, aspirations, reputation. These, anything, everything. Do you love me with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind? Simon, son of John, do you? And when love's questions have been asked and answered, then love's command is heard three times. Not to reinforce Simon's guilt, but to emphasize God's grace. I do not, I do not, I do not, Simon had said, around a fire before the crucifixion. Do you? Do you? Do you? Jesus had asked him three times after the resurrection around another fire. You know I do. You know I do. You know I do, Peter said. Three times around the same fire. Then feed. 
take care, feed my sheep, love commands. But love's commands could all be put in a single word too, and Jesus does it in a moment. Then follow me. Follow. R. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on John's Gospel, makes the point, that gracious command rings out to all of us. Follow me. If you are a new Christian, this is Christ's abiding command. And you are asked to respond. If you have been through the wars, it is still the same. Perhaps seemingly infinitely more complex, but still just as simple. Follow me. Before any of us even start to get comfortable at this point, don't miss the rest of the story. We've heard the rest of the conversation, now don't miss the rest of the story. While the words, follow me, are echoing down the Galilean beach, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And something inside Peter, and each one of us knows what it is because it's inside us too, Something inside Peter made him try to evade love and love's questions and love's commands. But Jesus, what about John? What about him? And don't you even feel the urge right now as I remind you of it? Don't you, even sometimes when we're able to be together in this room, think that thought? Couldn't you right now conjure up in your mind a vision of someone about whom you'd like to ask Jesus, but what about so-and-so? Not perhaps because I'm so terribly interested in what's happening to so-and-so, but you've got to realize, Jesus, if we could change the focus of the conversation right now from me to so-and-so, John, or whoever, then we won't have to talk about me anymore. What about him? What about her? What about what they're saying about him? What about where it was reported she went? What burden do you want to put on him? What burden do you want to put on her? And it's not because I'm so interested in what the burden is, Jesus. I'm just trying to make sure it all stays fair and even and equal. And I don't have more of a burden than they do. What about so-and-so is always a tool of the devil and gets us off track and stops God's work. And love answers firmly, but lovingly. What is that to you, Simon? You must follow me. So Peter, or Joel, or whatever your name happens to be, 
love John, care about John, help John, be there for John, hold up John, pray for John, but don't just be nosy about what's going on in John's life or how I think about it. Don't worry about whether you and John are being treated equally. Don't try to deflect the conversation away from you to John. Don't evade love's command by saying, let's talk for a while about somebody else. You must follow me. I would be remiss if I didn't mention at this point that if you can visualize the last part of John's gospel, it's almost like the Keystone Cops with Jesus and Peter here and John not far behind and the other five disciples who were there that day just a little ways behind John. Peter turning around to point to John and John involved that way in the conversation and the other five listening to both of them and thinking about either one of them rather than about self and misunderstanding the whole conversation and starting a rumor that Jesus had told John he'd live forever. And missing the point, too, that they also were simply to follow. But you must follow me. But what you must follow me. But what about you must follow me. Well, John says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for the books that were, would be written. Not only would there not be room for them, but there wouldn't be much need for them. Because the story is being written day by day and page by page in the chapters of our lives. You must follow me. And every time we do, and everywhere we do it, another page is put in the book of our life. Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth and said to them, you show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Each believer, a page from God in the book of life. And there will always be room for another book like that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this story seems so long ago and far away and different, and yet it's our story too. We feel guilty and try to deflect the guilt and think and talk about somebody else. We're hurt because you press for an answer from us when we have, through our own behavior, denied you. Forgive us, strengthen us, restore us,
Uphold us by your grace and help each one of us not only to be an obedient disciple, but a letter from Jesus to the whole world. Amen. Now go with God's blessing and with his peace. And may the God of peace give you peace at all times and in all places. The Lord be with you all. Amen.